0: What is discipleship and how does it differ from disciple making? One way to think about it is this. Discipleship is belonging to and becoming like Jesus. It's living a life of devotion to Him. Disciple making is passing on that way of life to others. It's helping them belong to and become like Jesus. But both discipleship And disciple-making can be short-circuited if we have a flawed understanding of who Jesus is and what it means to be in a relationship with Him. Today I'm talking with Susie Walther about the authority of Jesus, the free will of man, what it means to live in submission, and the gift of consequences. Susie is founder and director of the Well Training Ministry, a discipleship-focused community that equips women to follow Jesus and make disciples. She's someone I look up to and have learned from for many years now, and there are a lot of great insights in this conversation. I hope it encourages you. Welcome Susie back onto the podcast you've been on a few times in the past we go back to the mid 90s you're someone (laughs) that I have learned a lot from over the years and someone I really look up to as a sister in the faith someone who loves the Lord who walks faithfully with him and has been doing that for a while so thanks so much for coming on today and having a conversation with me.
1: Looking forward to it. Love doing this partnership with you, Andrew. Love what you guys are doing out there in San Diego too with Into the Harvest.
0: This podcast, we we I think of it as an opportunity to share with people around issues that relate to the challenges that we face as modern believers seeking to faithfully follow Jesus. We have this ancient faith that is unchanging, and yet we live in a world that is constantly changing. We're called to live in the kingdom of God under the rule of God, but we live in a culture that is in open defiance to Him. And so, trying to navigate this life of faith and what the Bible calls discipleship, the, the active life of following Jesus, is a real challenge. Anytime I get a chance to talk to someone that has been walking that path for a while, but also someone who has a heart for disciple making, uh, it's someone that that I want to introduce to our community. And, you know, you're five star in both of those areas. Not not to make you and feel uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 well, we, We've got some experience, right? We're both, uh, uh, you know, I just turned 50 uh, last month.
1: Oh, and, man. Uh,
0: so, yeah, Where we've been did following I Jesus. Go? I don't know, but it happens, right? <laughs> yeah. I was actually praying this morning and just reflecting on those verses. This is just a theme in scriptures that, you know, we're like smoke that vanishes. It's here and it's gone. The flower that you see and then the next day it's gone. The brevity of life is something that the scriptures tell us to be mindful of. Not so that we're going to be morbid, but so that we'll make the days count. Um, But it's a joy. It's a joy to be alive and to have this this next 45 minutes or so with you. So we're going to be talking about a few themes. In particular, we're going to be talking about discipleship and having the right framework or worldview when it comes to following Jesus, which sounds very basic, and it is, but it's, it's foundational. But before we dive into that, and maybe by way of introduction, I wanted to let folks know about the Renovated Conference that's coming here in a few months in September. So tell us a little bit about Renovated Live, why it's important it's a, it's a conference for women specifically. Yeah, yeah. So how is this going to help women come to know Jesus and follow Him?
1: So, yeah, so um, through Inside Events, we have got a tremendous opportunity to um, bring this women's conference. It's a marriage conference for women only. It's called Renovated, A, a, a Wife After God's Design. And um, and it's coming via simulcast. So that's another real great, um, just a great venue that Inside has afforded us. And so just simply just get it out there. If you're interested as we go along to learn everything you want to know about Renovated, just go to Renovated dot live that's the website that's set up you can find out um, how to how to host a simulcast. So um, it's unique in the sense that uh, you can host this front conference um, through a church, or you can host it individually as a small group. So you can do this inside of your home if you've got a TV and a computer. Good, you're good to go. You can do this conference. So it's it's very it's very easy, um, very accessible, and every one of us has got people in our lives as women that that could benefit from it. So renovated is a three-part like I said it's a it's a conference um, on marriage it's for women's only we actually it's it's three key parts with an introduction so we take on mm-hmm. just the um, I call it just what is what is our purpose in marriage or our purpose is the helpmate well what is our power within that marriage um, our power is this thing called submission which you know has been hijacked and ruined on so many levels um, by the church and in the world and then mm-hmm. our protection within that marriage is also sex so sex is actually part of a package um, for protection that's called intimacy, but we take on the sexual aspects because it's the sexual part that's actually doing a lot of damage in our marriages right now, especially in the 21st century and with the onslaught of porn and everything else. So we take on the the whole dynamic of of, um, sex as a way to protect the marriage, not heal it from sin, not fix it from sin, but um, as part of God's divine package for what protects um, intimacy within a marriage. And it's one of many pieces, but it is definitely a piece. So we look at all of those um, things and we look at them um, not through rose-colored glasses and we're not trying to, uh, you know, avoid the the hard and difficult topics. So we tend to be... Um, Right there, nitty gritty, <laughs> and and as a result, we see God do amazing things through renovated. I've been doing this content now for over thirty years, and um, and probably the last twelve years as a conference, and we see just God do tremendous things that women really do walk away renovated in their personhood, renovated, um, often in their marriages and, um, even in their own Christian faith. So, um, powerful content, powerful conference, but again, marriage is the jumping off point.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. You sent your notes for some of the sessions that you're going to be leading and, uh, man, um, I'm definitely going to (laughs) work to get my wife involved with that. Um, it's, it, it just looks like a great, um, really meaningful slate of sessions and topics. And you're right, I think sometimes with the church, we don't have these kinds of practical conversations, but that's where we all live. And that's where we're called to follow Jesus. We're we're called to follow Jesus in in the real world, in the Monday through Saturday of life, in the everyday places of life. In fact, that's really the genesis of the name into the harvest is that we want to be just as concerned maybe more so with the way faith is lived out outside the walls of our church buildings or our bible study meeting centers how is faith lived out in in our homes in in our workplaces in our social gatherings and so i'm excited about what the lord's going to do through that program we're definitely going to be hosting a local group here in San Diego. So if anyone is here locally and wants to, to be involved, reach out and, and we'd love to have you. I'm excited that it's simulcast. I, initially, yeah. I thought that I was gonna have to figure out how to fly my wife across the country over to the East Coast, mm-hmm. but, but no, everyone's gonna be joining this virtually. So, I, and I love the idea of the watch parties because then it's not just you and your computer, but there's a community of, of like-minded people that are learning together.
1: Yeah, and that's that's really the the goal is the it is a community builder. So when we pray for renovated, because there's a there's a whole prayer effort that's also underway, it really has kind of a a full fourfold direction for that um, uh, prayer. One, we're praying for the immediate impact that will take place in women's lives um, as a result of engaging with the content. And then there's that secondary impact that can move into her marriage. So um, the beauty of this is even if your marriage isn't impacted, you can be, you know, so it can impact you. But we're praying also for that secondary impact that it actually moves into your marriage. It makes a difference. But because it is already crafted in a communal kind of setting, we're really hoping. That that what this can do also is it can it can generate jump start you know start more women's groups you've got more women who are leading a woman who's led this who, who's hosted a simulcast she's already got a group in her home it would be just a natural segue for that group to continue meeting maybe it wasn't a group that ever was ever together before you know maybe it is your small group and maybe it wasn't very connected and this can help connect it but we're hoping to see that there would be more women who are leading groups more women in small groups and then kind of that that last level is that you know, kind of the the reproductive impact that there might actually be more women discipling women that you would wind up in life-on-life scenarios as a result of having been in a community where you realize you can grow, and then getting that one-on-one time with some women, so we're really, we're really hopeful. Um, and we've seen a lot of this over the years of what God can do when you put women in community with one another, and you give them content that they want to talk about, that they need to talk about. If they talked about it more, maybe less of us would be in in counseling. I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but we need to be having these kinds of conversations, and so there is a fourfold impact. Um, and I love that. It all starts in a communal, like I said, setting where we already start in community. If it's in a church, we're encouraging churches to put their women at tables with the table leader and in your home, of course, it's whoever you invited to join you.
0: Well... One more time, that's in September, September 16th. And yes, if it, folks want to sign up or learn more about it, they can go to the website.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's it's a one day live simulcast on September 16th. And there's a suggested schedule on that website, which is renovated.live. And of course that's central standard time. So the timeline would be different for Eastern and Pacific, but um, Insight works all of that out for us. Um, and it's, a, like I said, it's a one-day event. But if the actual day of the live event, September 16th, isn't a good day for you, but you would like to host the simulcast, they just have to engage with insight. There's the ability to chat right there and to be able to say, I want to host, I just can't do it that day. And, and they will set up a time. You guys will work. They they will work out a time where you guys can do or where women who want to host can do that. So it's just... I can't I can't express how simple a venue this is. It can't be any more simple, man. There's no I mean, seriously, some women show up at your house, you plug in your computer and and turn on your TV and off you go. And it's phenomenal. So there is small group time built into it. So it's the keynote messages. There's small group time. There's actually even a worship time that's built in. So I don't know who the worship person's going to be, but there's even a little bit of worship that's built in. But uh, again, it's a powerful time. A powerful time.
0: I'm excited about uh, women being able to benefit from that selfishly secondhand. I'm excited as a <laughs> husband. I mean, as husbands, we should be looking for ways to encourage our wives to yes. to grow in their faith, uh, to to have that biblical framework for marriage. Of course, we should be seeking that as well, but this is only going to benefit us as husbands. So if, if you're listening to this and you have a wife that you think would enjoy and benefit from the conference, then definitely pass that on and uh, check it out. I, I think it's gonna be a great time that, that people will benefit greatly from.
1: And I got a funny story on that. This was a a couple of years ago. I just remember this woman came up to me and she shared with me. She said that they were at church, you know, after church was done and everything like that. And she was talking to another woman and the kind of, you know, the husbands were around. They were kind of in the back um, and, you know, around them. And she was inviting this other woman to go to renovate it. She was like, you know, I was at it. It was really good. It's coming back again. And the guy went up to her husband, went to the other guy and said, dude, you seriously want your wife to be at this. <laughs> so I'm like, go guys, you're, you're our yeah. top promoters.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Like I said, uh, this is, you should be selfish about this. This is, this is going to benefit your life, your marriage. Yeah. So uh, I'm really grateful that you guys are doing it and excited to see how the Lord uses it. Like I said, you sent me your notes. So I, I have a sense for what you're going to be covering, at least for you, Susie, your sessions. Um, one of them that you mentioned earlier, was that submission is power or it's it's power for a woman in her relationship with her husband, which I was very intrigued by that. Your notes are more of a sketch outline. So (laughs) I wanted to ask you, since we're here right now, to talk a little bit more about that. And then we'll kind of segue from that into just a broader conversation about discipleship, because all of us men and women are called to belong to and to to become like Jesus, which is really at the heart of discipleship. And that involves submission. But what's the relationship between submission and power specifically in relation to a marriage and a a wife's relationship with her husband? And then maybe we'll we'll go from there into a broader conversation.
1: So yeah, so in, in order to understand submission, it's it's really important that women understand that we weren't created to submit. That's, that's the first fallacy, is thinking that we were created to submit. We weren't created to submit. The Bible tells us very clearly we were created to help. And then, mm. Things get even wackier when we try to define help as being just that women serve men. That's not what the word help means in the Hebrew. So there's a lot of fallacies that we've got to work through. Um, And sometimes what we're defending, we're actually we're defending about the the right things. We should be defending against those ideas of help and submission. We shouldn't be defending against the ones that we actually see in the Bible because they're actually very, very healthy. But before we can understand submission, women have to understand that God gave us an intrinsic power as women that's, that um, all people have, but we really have it sort of like in a mega dose as women. Mm-hmm. And that's the intrinsic power of influence. So God has given women uh, an ability to influence that really is um, mm-hmm. different in, um, between men and women. And it's important that we understand that because you can't help who you can't influence. So that great power of influence has to be regulated because if it's not regulated, that influence, then it's corrupted. It begins to be self-serving. And we see that all through scripture, starting with the Garden of Eden, where that power of influence self-serves and it no longer serves its created purpose um and so it's it's starting to operate outside of its own boundaries and so what god does in in the infinite wisdom that god has is that he has a regulatory power for the power of influence and that regulatory power is submission and what's interesting about submission is that submission is not subjugation You know, it's not subordination. Submission, by biblical definition, is a free will choice that you are choosing to yield to another. So power is in the choice and the power regulates the influence. And so when a woman does not marry, and I actually say help plus submission is our superpower, When a woman does not marry submission, she does not let submission regulate her influence. She begins to sabotage herself because her husband no longer trusts her help. He doesn't know if he's being manipulated. So a lot of times you find husbands resisting their wives because they don't trust the help they're getting. They ignore the advice of their wife because they don't trust the help that they're getting. So there's Mm -hmm. so the woman is not allowed the God given regulatory, um, you know, uh, control in her Mm -hmm. life to regulate the influence. So she sabotages herself. The Mm -hmm. very thing that God wants her to do and to do very, very well that will allow that man to rise and she'll rise with him. Him. Um, she no longer can do because now the one she's supposed to be helping is, is resisting her all the time. So the power is in the choice.
0: All right. Well, Susie, we're back. Uh, this is some of the challenge of technology <laughs> and recording a podcast ah. from opposite coasts of the United <laughs> States. I was very much into what you were sharing there about, uh, <laughs> submission being power because it, it regulates, um, Well, submission is what regulates the ability of a wife to truly help her husband in the biblical sense. But, you know, you mentioned manipulation. That's actually when you were first sharing what came to my mind is that, yes, this is a superpower. And as a guy, that is something that that you're aware of or that you're you're alert to is that women can be very manipulative. Um, And it is powerful because... You know, w- women do have the ability to influence men, probably more so than a lot of women realize. Uh, yeah. But some women definitely realize it, and so uh, they they take advantage of that in in negative ways. A couple of things that came into my head. One was the the verse in Proverbs where a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down, and and how this attitude of influence and the approach to influence. Um, really plays into whether or not you're building up or tearing down your own house as as a wife, mm-hmm. and then secondly, there's a there's a scene in the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: you know which one I'm talking about.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> and
0: so that came to my my mind too. Is like, hey, that, that there's some truth to that, which is why it's so funny. Um, do you want to relate the uh, the story just to see if we're on the same yeah it's
1: just that 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 you know yes men men are the head but women are the neck <laughs> that can move the head anywhere it every, anywhere it needs to go which is yeah. which is absolutely i mean we see that in the garden of eden right. which is why we've got to understand before you can understand submission you've got to understand because we weren't created to submit we were created to help and with that came a power the power to influence so we've got to channel that influence in God ordained places or else we will misuse it mishandle it just like mm-hmm. men um, you know different not just men but people in places of authority can misuse mishandle their authority so we are all of us are in danger of mishandling misusing the the authorities, the power that God has given us. We we use it to, to self-serve versus to others serve. We use it towards our purposes versus God's purposes. When we um, channel it towards God's purposes, then it's exponential the good that we can actually do. When we channel it to our own purposes, it's exponential the bad we can mm. do. And that verse you use in Proverbs 14.1 is huge. We have the exponential ability to build our house, to build something really, really great, or the exponential potential and ability to destroy it. Mm. So, and in, in everything is in this concept of choice. And, and honestly, if we don't understand the, the, you know, the, you know, the, the intrinsic power that God has given humanity in general is free will, mm. free will. Mm. And with, with, when we channel that free will in in the ways that God calls us to channel it, we loose the kingdom on the earth. When we don't channel that free will towards his kingdom, since there's only two kingdoms, then we, we are part of what looses the kingdom of hell down here. So it's, it's amazing what is at our fingertips, you know? Yeah. And so there is a general dynamic for that. And then we've got specific dynamics in our, in, uh, um, you know, within that male-female paradigm. Um, but we need to understand it. So women are not powerless. They're not under the thumb of anybody. We all have free will. Men have free will within their authority that they have um, in in the relationship, and women have free will within the power that they have within the relationship. So we got to use it well.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, I hope women and husbands will encourage their wives to to check out the Renovated Conference. Uh, And thank you for clarifying that. Um, I don't know. I may even... Somehow, well, I guess I'll hear it through my wife, but uh, for sure, I'm looking forward to learning more because it's it's fascinating and uh, we could really spend the rest of our time talking about that. Well, let's broaden from there. We've been talking about submission and the, the power that it it unleashes for good when, when we live in step with what the scriptures uh, direct us to. But um, free will, you just you, I love the way you said that, that, that free will itself is something of a superpower because it can either help participate in ushering in the kingdom of God when it's, when it's operating under the authority of Jesus, uh, or it can be used to usher in the kingdom of hell on earth. All day long because we're living outside of the authority of Jesus. So this conversation of submission and authority, I'd love to broaden it f- for our entire audience, men and women, and and talk about the framework and a, a proper understanding of what it means to be to called, in, to, to be called into relationship with Jesus. Um, and what we need to understand is when you come into a relationship with Jesus is it starts with his, his position, who he is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I was thinking about this as I was considering today's conversation. And in Acts 2, first of all, to study the book of Acts to see what is the message of Christianity. Because you can study the New Testament, which I think is worth doing to learn the gospel. But it's also fascinating to study the book of Acts because there you see the first messengers in action and you can actually trace what was it? What was it that Peter shared? on Pentecost? What was the message that had to come out that he wanted people to to understand and respond to? What was it that Philip shared with the Ethiopian? What was it that Paul shared uh, when he visited the cities in Galatia? So you can can study those episodes. We've actually got a resource that I'll I'll put a link to, um, studying the gospel in the book of Acts. But in chapter two, when Peter is sharing with that first crowd after Jesus had been crucified Uh, risen from the dead and returned to heaven. The grand finale of that is he says, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And that was it, like he he parked it right there, is uh, you need to understand who this person is that you crucified. Uh, And who he is is based on who God the Father has made him to be, God has made him both Lord and Messiah and Jesus himself the last words that he said to his disciples is all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth therefore go and make disciples teaching them to obey so the idea of Jesus's authority and our call to submit and come up under it and then to live out of that submission lives of obedience is is at the heart of having the right framework for what it means mm-hmm. to belong to Jesus mm-hmm. and to follow Him. So, this this connection between authority and submission is is something that we're going to want to talk about here over the next twenty minutes or so.
1: Yeah, and I think um, when we don't understand what you just said, there's a lot of stuff that just goes awry in our Christian faith. One, I don't know that we can understand discipleship if we don't understand this this lordship. Um, of Christ and mm-hmm. and to understand that Lordship is not it's not like calling him Mr. Jesus it's not calling him Mr. Christ it's not a title right um, it really is um, it, it, it's not just a title it's not just a way of referring to him um, we're not being polite when we when we call him Lord Jesus Christ right it, it's it really is who he is and it really identifies our response to him and you know and and it you know Paul tells us too in in 1 Corinthians I think it's 11 that you know God is the head of Christ but Christ is the head of everyone right, right. and we know that he's the he's the head of the church so it's he, it's positional in every way and then we understand our response our position in light of that so um it's something i always say that when we don't understand Jesus There's a whole lot that goes, that kind of spins out of control. It's kind of like a domino effect. Um, When we don't understand Jesus, then I'm not sure we really understand the gospel. Things kind of go a little off for what we understand the gospel. If we don't understand the gospel, then we really don't understand what God is doing in salvation. we don't understand salvation, then we're going to kind of really kind of miss what God is trying to do with the kingdom. And we don't understand the kingdom and you don't understand (laughs) discipleship. You don't understand discipleship then you really don't understand what your identity in Christ is right. and, and you don't really know what the church is all about and everything <laughs> just starts to go off right because we really don't understand Jesus you know yes. and I think it's it's important um, just you know he he is lord of heaven and earth. He is king of kings, Lord of lords. He's Lord of heaven and earth. And I think, too, with with Jesus, I I, I just think we've so limited our understanding of him. I mean, from the from -hmm. the Bible's vantage point, Jesus has come to restore everything that was lost in the fall. Everything. You know, so he's he's restoring the relationship that we lost with God He's restoring the image of God in us. He's restoring the purpose and the mission of God through us. He's restoring our part to play in the kingdom of God and its culture moving across the earth. He's restoring the way we relate to one another as the image of God. So when we, when we lose that, when we don't understand Jesus and, and all of the things that his lordship is impacting, then we kind of are just kind of left with a shell that we call religion and maybe even a shell of what discipleship is all about. And I think then related to that is that we don't understand the cross. Mm. We just don't understand the cross, you know, the we, we we see the cross as the instrument of death that allows us entrance into heaven, you know, and right. in many ways, uh, you know, it's this idea that the cross is really the ending of one regime, it's the ending of the old man, it's the ending of one covenant. And it's the establishment of this king, the, the beginning of something brand new on the earth, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to come through him. And then because we don't understand the cross and we don't, we just, I mean, honestly, we don't understand, we don't understand discipleship. There's just so many pieces that break apart when we don't understand Jesus and his lordship and what he's trying to do and our response in the midst of all of that.
0: It's so true. One of the things that I try to impress upon those that that I'm discipling is that we don't start with Jesus and then move on to other things. You know, we start with Jesus and then we move on to a deeper ongoing understanding and relationship with him. Like we never depart from Jesus. And so many of us are victims of almost, but not quite gospels. So, yes. and, and that shows up when we have some of what you're talking about, which is a truncated gospel where we have mm-hmm. a gospel that's stripped of its uh, of its full meaning and its robustness. Like you said, J- Jesus is the one who is making all things new. So he touches every part of the creation as we know it and certainly every part of our lives. So we can have a gospel that is, uh, has been truncated or stripped down of its weight and glory. Um, and we can also have a gospel that is off focus or out of focus, where it's just not focused on Jesus. And so, mm-hmm. and that can be for very good things. We can be focused on other dimensions of the gospel. So one way to think about this is that the gospel, while it does reveal to us the purpose and plan of God for salvation, the gospel is ultimately about a person. And, yeah. and in that person, we find God's purpose and his plan revealed, but, but we never wanna move off being focused on Jesus, um, who he is and how we're called to respond to him. So going back to Acts two with Peter, he he says that let let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. And then he stopped talking. The (laughs) next verse says that uh, the people were pierced to the heart when they heard this, when they realized who Jesus is and there was a natural question that, that, that flowed out of that, which is brothers, what should we do? So when people truly grasp who Jesus is, when they, when they get a clear picture of who Jesus is, it's natural to know that I I have to respond to this in, in an appropriate way. And so Peter tells them, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy spirit. So our mission is as followers of Jesus is to see him more clearly and respond to him more faithfully. As disciple makers, it's to present him more clearly, and to call people to respond more faithfully to him. And that's really disciple making in a nutshell, (laughs) discipleship and and disciple making is just trying to do a better job of those two things.
1: Yeah, I had a woman ask me the other day, she said, what is the difference between um, discipleship and disciple making? And I said, discipleship is about being conformed to the image of Christ. Disciple making is helping people do that.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just it's that simple, right? Yes. Um, and I think we do. We we miss the fact that the good news is Jesus. You know, we see it in Luke right. 2, right? Where it says, behold, I bring you great tidings of, of good joy. Behold, I bring you good news. Yeah. Today is born a savior. <laughs> Right? right. So the good news is actually about a person, and what we've done is we've turned the good news into something transactional. Mm-hmm. So the good news becomes about something you believe to take you to a place. Right. But the good news is about a, a person, and so it's 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 a it's a pathway to a person, mm-hmm. so that we have a response, you know, and 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 understanding the cross too. It's a path to a person. So God is establishing our relationship with Him through the cross. But according to Romans chapter five verse one, Paul says. That we're actually being saved through this person's life. Hmm. So we're not being saved through the cross, we were established. With God, he's saving us through the very person of Jesus Christ, which is why he can say you've got to be conformed to the second Adam. You've got to become a new creation in him. You know, you're dead to the old you. You're new to the you're you you rise up to the no, new you in Christ. Mm-hmm. So he's the he is your defining purpose. Right. Right. What does he say to I just love it? Your real life, your true you is hidden in Christ in God. So everything about the gospel and everything about discipleship, everything about God's kingdom is really about this life in Christ, this life in Christ being rooted there, being built up, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is the language that the Bible is using, right? Um, and it and it and it does, and and you can't understand that relationship if you don't understand His lordship. So again, there's thor- authority and submission, and so again, even even in our everyday mm-hmm. human relationships, submission, my free will choice, that power, it, submission regulates it. It's the same principle. Submission regulates that free will power that we have submission puts ourselves within the boundaries and the framework of this God. We don't keep voting yes to ourselves. We vote yes to him. And that's the idea of taking up your cross daily. This is the idea of dying daily that we are saying no to ourselves and yes to something greater. And when we say yes to something greater than ourselves, we actually become more than what we would, what we would have been on our own. This Mm. is how we rise. This is how God elevates our humanity. So um we don't get better through self rule. Mm, we get better mm. through God's rule over us. And that requires a free will choice.
0: It's such a simple thing in, in, in a sense but it's it's everything in, in terms of your mindset as you approach uh Christ. And it's almost like um it, it, it's almost like an electrical current, which is meant to flow in one direction. And when you reverse the flow, you, you lose most of, of the energy um, that was available to you. And so, so many of us, when we think about discipleship, we're thinking of it in terms of what can I bring? Well, I'm going to live my life as the best way possible. And I'm, I'm going to offer that to God. When what we see in the scriptures is that discipleship is a response to who Jesus is and what he's called us to do, which is where the submission really comes in. We're responding to, um, we're not out there on our own, living life as best we understand it, and then offering that to God. We're, we're coming in a posture of humility and yieldedness to learn from God's son, Jesus, and respond to his purpose, the purpose that's that's revealed in him. and And then God makes something beautiful grow out of our lives as, as we do that. So the idea of uh, submission here and responding a, a simple way that uh, we're going to do a series of, of shows. Maybe, maybe you'd want to jump on one of these in the future, Susie, but phrases that Christians should stop using. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's so true because some of these phrases, what they do is they expose um, unbiblical thinking, <laughs> Yes. Uh, dressed up in biblical language. So this idea, mm-hmm. one of these is to make Jesus Lord of your life. You can't do that. Um, only no,
1: he's Lord without <laughs> you, whether you believe it or not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes.
0: We're called to recognize that God has made Jesus Lord and then respond appropriately to that. Yeah. If you were in a position to make Jesus Lord, you would be above him. Yeah. But that's subconsciously, that's how a lot of us think. We do think that in some ways we're, we're going to gift Jesus with this thing of making him Lord of our lives and your free will. There's a lot that you can do with your free will, but, but that's not one of them. Like you don't have, you don't have the power to make Jesus Lord. You can only submit to who that's God it. has already made him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I heard something, too, you know, that phrase. I forget who said it, but, you know, we've got to stop saying, you know, that we need to accept Jesus into our life. And it was like, God doesn't want to come into your life. Your life is a mess, right? <laughs> He's inviting you into his life. Right. This is how this works. Your life is... You're going into his life, right? So it's not about you just bringing him into your mess and somehow he's just going to make your little mess a little bit better. No, you're laying down your mess. You're joining his life, his way of being, his way of living his way of relating to people, you're gonna figure it out his way, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's all those subtleties that they do kind of, they get in the way and then they all, but we don't even realize that how, how individualistic and how very egocentric right. some of this really religious stuff is, but it, and it mm-hmm. doesn't help. I mean, people who, it doesn't help. We're, it's not helping. <laughs> like if it's not helping, we need to stop right? And figure out what, why is this broken? Is it yeah. God broken or is it the way I'm thinking about God? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I don't think God's broken. I think the way yeah. I'm thinking about God is was broken.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, going back to that analogy of the, the energy current, there's so much more power available to us, but most of us are flowing the wrong direction. Yes. Um, and so we have a very anemic discipleship. We have a very anemic faith, and we're constantly falling into the same patterns of sin and failure. And it's because we're not starting from the right place of uh, lifting Jesus on high and responding to responding to Him uh, and who God has made Him to be, and then living out lives of devotion to that. And Jesus Himself modeled this for us. You know, He lived, He was fully God, but He was also fully man. And one thing you see in the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4 and in Mark 4, is that he lived a life of submission as a man. In those temptations, yes. in each instance, he provided a model for us that, that we can follow as the perfect man. And, and those temptations were, one way to think about those was, was the devil tempting Jesus to operate out of his divinity, to operate out of his power in ways that did not align with the Father's will and yet Jesus submitted in each case so we're following someone who's already lived this as a man he's lived a perfect life of submission and he's he's calling us to follow in his footsteps by by submitting to him
1: and I'll just add to that, too. I think, again, the, the fallacies that we that we hang on to about submission really hurt us here, because the minute we begin, if we if we, if we think that somehow submission causes me to lose my identity, well, then, of course, you're going to resist it. Hmm. But submission is actually a way to actually enter into your true identity. If we think that, you know, submission somehow, um, uh, makes me mindless, then we don't understand the free-will choice that's involved in it. You know, there's mm-hmm. just so many things, right? If, if we think that, that I'm used, I'm lose, I lose a bit of my humanity when I submit to another, you know, then we don't realize... You know, the only thing you're really losing when you submit, when you yield of your free-will to somebody else for something that's good and righteous, you lose your selfishness, for crying out loud. You lose some sin. You don't lose your humanity. You elevate your humanity. But we've got all of these weird things that we've married to these really big ideas. And again, we're using world and culture and you know flesh and experience to try to define them. And this is when we've got to stop being a god unto ourselves. Mm. Um, I think it was Walt Hendrickson. I think this is where I learned this from. And I, this was brilliant. You remember that guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And he said, um, it's all going to boil down to um, what's going to determine truth for you. Mm. And I always remember, he said, so you can allow truth to be determined by your reason, you know, what you think and what you can agree with. You know, that's going to determine truth for you. Or you're going to allow it to be your emotions, your feelings. That's going to determine truth for you, your experiences. Or you're going to let it be the mooing herd. You know, the culture, the pop culture, what everybody is agreeing with, that's going to be what's going to determine truth for you. You're going to let it be some guru, even if that guru is your pastor, you know, your denomination, you're letting those things or you're going to let it be God and God himself. Hmm. And for all of us, we've got to get through those other four layers of things that we're used to defining truth for us, determining which truth is, and get to the point where we, we, you know, we abandon those, we abort, and we just go, I'm going to let God determine hmm. truth for me. Yeah. I'm going to let him define it. I'm going to let him define the words, and I'm going to let him define the terms mm-hmm. and define the response. And then what I am choosing is whether or not I want to respond. That's what I'm choosing. And that's Romans chapter six. You and I were created in a, sub- a submission paradigm. We were never created to be autonomous. We were never created to be independent. We were created to co-labor, to submit, mm. to walk with God. So in Romans six, you know, I'm all I'm choosing is who my master is going to be. I'm going to either choose righteousness as my master, which belongs to Jesus. So I'm going to choose death. You know, and everything that goes with it. I, I'm just that's that's where my free will is going to go. Who are <sighs> you going to serve? Because this is it. You could serve God, who's really great and he'll help you be a really great human being. Or you're going to serve yourself under the guise of serving yourself. But you're right. really serving darkness and you're really going to you're really going to devolve as a human being. Right,
0: you know, you're right. We weren't created to live that way, but it is what comes natural to us in our fallen state and in a fallen world. I was having a conversation with my, my youngest, Jackson. He's, uh, he'll be a senior this fall. But we were talking about walking by faith, what it means to live by faith. And it relates to what you were just saying there, sharing from Walt Hendrickson, because it's, it's difficult to follow God defines as right and true, because Mm -hmm. often it will put you in the minority. And so if you're in uh, a class of 800 other students, there's gonna be very few of you who are actually letting God define truth and reality for you. That's difficult. (laughs) But what's even harder is when it doesn't make sense to you. So now you're, you're trying to follow what God has revealed as true. You're already out of step with the world around you. And it doesn't even make sense to you. You know, we were, we're in pride month right now. And we, we were talking specifically about um, homosexuality and same sex attraction and same sex relationships. And there's a dimension to that, that, that people can struggle with. Like one, it's it's for sure gonna put you out of step with most of the people in, in the culture, uh, especially for him as a younger as a younger person. Mm-hmm. But there, there are dimensions there it doesn't even make sense to you. Um, why would God be opposed to this? But I think that's the challenge that we face is tapping into the right source. And it's, it's the age old issue. Like from the very beginning, this is what Adam and Eve bought into. You will be like God. You won't die. <laughs> Life will go better. And you'll actually elevate if you step out and choose to define for yourself what is good, what is right, what is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're still we're still in the garden in that sense that we're yeah, still having we're still in the garden to decide. Are we going to listen yeah. to the serpent or are we going to trust God and what he has already revealed to us?
1: Yeah, and that's that's absolutely true. And it really it just, um, yeah, it's absolutely true. And it's never going to go away,
0: it's you never know, not go until away. there's
1: a new heaven and a new earth. It's never going to go away. You know, hell is on earth and and yeah. we're in the midst of all of these choices.
0: Well, part of what God has given us, I think, to help us recalibrate is he lets us stub our toe. And yes. in the scriptures, this is sometimes referred to as the law of the harvest. Mm-hmm. And so when we do step out and we begin to live outside of what God has revealed, um, things go poorly. <laughs> and if we're wise, <laughs> we pay attention and we learn from those mistakes. So. Another way that God has given us to to get back on the path is this idea of forgiveness. And these are huge themes. In fact, I was just reading this morning in Proverbs and the law of the harvest is just all through scriptures. So sometimes it's in the background, but it's always there. And and one of the ways that you can understand the law of the harvest is that you reap what you sow. Uh, Another way is that you can't cheat the system. And, and those are things that we, we buy into the idea that we can cheat the system, that we can get away with it, uh, or that we can sow uh, bad seed and somehow reap a good harvest. So I wanted to finish up the last part of our conversation here by talking about the law of the harvest and, and how we should understand that and hopefully benefit from it. And then also what forgiveness is and what it does provide for us but also the limits of forgiveness if that's a way that we can say it what, what forgiveness doesn't provide
1: yeah well and and the law of the heart we're just talking about all kinds of stuff today so <laughs> for, for you as a listener just you know glean what you can man don't worry about the rest right yeah. but um the law of the harvest yeah it's threefold right it's mm-hmm. not only that you reap what you sow but you reap later than when you sow and you reap more than what you sow oh so that is a universal law in the physical it's a universal law in the spiritual what makes it a little tricky because we're between that we're in that already not yet so we're in the physical world the spiritual has entered it but it hasn't it's not it's not in all of its fullness right so we're we're in this kind of quasi state right where we we're kind of between two kinds of existence especially as christians mm. so what's important for us i think with respect to the law of the harvest is to also remember that um, um, very few of God's laws or His truths can we ever read flat, mm-hmm. right? There's always these other dimensions to them, right? Because um, if we were to apply that law, we would yeah. make the wrong conclusion about Jesus, right? Because right. Jesus didn't go to the cross because yes. He was reaping what He sowed, and right. we know from the story of Job that He wasn't He wasn't experiencing what He experienced because He was reaping what He sowed. Right. So. Um, so it's a truth an absolute truth but we're caught between these two realities of the world that we're in and the world that's coming mm-hmm. and so this is what makes that so now by faith we've got to operate like we know that's true because there is mystery I right. am going to reap what I sow um, I am going to reap it later and I am going to reap it more but I have mm-hmm. no idea how that's going to play out I have no idea what that's going to look like in my everyday life I don't know um, I don't know what can can intersect that law and change its trajectory. I don't, there's so many things I don't know. So there are a lot of things that impact that law that is true. And because we don't know these things, we've got to live within the framework of the law. But I don't, I don't, I don't understand the mystery. I don't understand God's timing. I recognize that I'm living in a fallen world But I also know that justice is coming and it's not fully here. So wisdom tells me live within the truth of that law. I will reap what I sow. I'll reap it later and I'll reap more, even though I don't know all the ways that might look like in my life right now. I think that's really important because I think sometimes, too, within Christianity, we read too much flatly. Right. And then we we, we don't make room for the mystery and we don't make room for God's timing and we don't make room for the ways in which God is supernatural and can supernaturally impose himself into a natural law. We don't understand that we're in this already but not yet state where there's a lot of things that are somewhat murky, Um, but we can't be presumptuous either and not believe that the law or the principle doesn't exist just yeah. because we don't see its full impact right now.
0: I think that's that's well said. It also is true that as a principle and as a general trend line, this does play out all the time. So yes, so yes there, are, there are always exceptions. And the way I would say that, I think you alluded to it, is that sometimes you're going to reap in the next age. So you may do everything right in this age and not see that full harvest that you were promised. It doesn't mean it's not coming. Uh, you know, the, the, no. the scriptures actually talk about this. The, the, the sins of some men are evident, um, going before them to judgment. Uh, the sins of others, The sins of others are hidden, but mm-hmm. all sins are going to be addressed. So yes. whether they get addressed on this side of the grave or on the other side, the same way in terms of our obedience and when we sow with a view to righteousness, we're going to reap that harvest. We may not see it in this age. It may be that we see the full harvest in the age to come. But having said that, you're still going to see the general principle play out. <laughs> if, you follow, Always, yeah. if you follow God's path.
1: Live like you know it's true.
0: <laughs> and, and you will see it. Likewise, you know, if, if you going back to the verse in Proverbs of, of building up your house versus tearing it down, that, that what we sow. We are going to see that play out. And that's a gift from God. It's a gift from God that he has ordered the world and life in such a way that when we live outside of his design, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts us. It hurts others. That's a gift because it's God's way of showing us, hey, you're, you're off the path. This, it, this isn't going to work. And it's an opportunity to turn back to him and to begin sowing with a view to righteousness and enjoying the benefits of that. We also um, wanted to talk about forgiveness and you said that we were biting off a, a lot here, but we, we don't, maybe this will just be a preview for future conversations where we dive deeper into these different topics. But you know, when we sin, when we um, mess up, God offers us forgiveness, which is another gift. So he doesn't just give us the consequences in terms of the law of the harvest. He also gives us, he offers us forgiveness. But you had shared on forgiveness once years back from the life of David when he had sinned Mm -hmm. with Bathsheba. And, of course, he's confronted by the prophet Nathan. And David immediately repents, confesses and repents. And, yeah, I just wanted to throw it to you and, and have you share on what forgiveness is and what it isn't.
1: So, thank God for forgiveness, especially in light of that law, the harvest, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, again, this is one of those supernatural things that can um, intersect and 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 change the trajectory of some things um if not a lot of things you know so this is another one of that it's part of it's part of that mystery right Mm -hmm. that 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 runs parallel to these um that a truth like that the law of the harvest which is definitely true you've got to live like you know that's true or else you're going to make really really bad choices worse choices than you would normally make oh man my head just went to another thing too okay one thing at a time Susan. (laughs) so um I think, I think too, when we think in terms of forgiveness, we've got to realize that forgiveness is part of a trinity. Right. It's, it's part of a, a package. It doesn't stand by itself. It's, it's part okay. of something. Hmm. Um, everything about God is Trinity and, and, and everything that he's doing is Trinity. So it, it really it, it is that. So it's part of that package that we that we you know, we've heard of as justice and mercy and grace. This is the package that that forgiveness is is a, is is in. Hmm. And so I've heard it said that, you know, justice, you know, if you could stripped it down to its. Absolute bare bones, justice is simply getting what you deserve. Right. 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 And so um, mercy, then, which is the polar opposite of justice, two different truths that are both true, that are, are part of the same spectrum. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Well, then what is grace? Well, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Right. Hmm. And so this This is the package that forgiveness is is operating within. And so when you think about it, the Bible has been very clear what humanity deserves is this death. We have disobeyed. We're on a perpetual, eternal course of separation. Um, you get what you deserve. You know, that's the whole idea. You'll reap what you sow, right? That mm. kind of stuff. That's that's very real. But God's mercy is also in play here. And so he says there's an opportunity to not get what you deserve. Mm. So. That means you deserve death. There's an opportunity not to get death, not to have that eternal separation. So what is the grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. What is that? I'm going to let you live. Hmm. I'm going to allow you to live and not only live, I'm going to allow you to live in relationship with me. That is the ultimate grace. The ultimate loving kindness is that we get God back. And we get this relationship back and it's nothing punitive in it. It's his grace. Right. And so it's it's interesting that for so uh, just for too long, we've we've turned forgiveness into some kind of transactional thing. You know, I need to be forgiven so that I go to a place when I die. Right. right. I, I need to be forgiven. So I no longer feel guilty for the things that I've done. This is not forgiveness mm. in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness in the Bible is, this, is it's a very relational term and it's restorative. Mm. It's re. Redemptive, right? It's giving you grace. It's giving you the opportunity to get something you don't deserve. Mm -hmm. Your choice has got you here, but I'm gonna give you an opportunity to live different, Mm -hmm. to have something different, right? Right. And I just have to share this because when we were talking about this, I feel like this is literally what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter two. And I think we really miss it. We miss what he's talking about with respect. And you hear that whole idea that um, I have forgiven you. Therefore, you will live. Right. Mm -hmm. But look what Paul says in Ephesians two. um, Just looking at a few verses here, he says in verse one, as for you. So what's your state? You were dead In your transgressions and sins. That's where you guys are. You're dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Again, there's only two kingdoms. You were following the wrong one, right? Right. And so this ruler is a spirit who is now at work in those people who are disobedient. And then he says in verse three, all of us lived among them at one time. We all live like that. We all live like that, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and its thoughts. So we all lived under this self-rule, right? Right. And then he says, we live just like the rest and we were by nature deserving wrath. So hmm. this is what you deserve. All the crap coming after you, you deserve it, right? Because right. of the choices you've made, the way you lived. And he says in verse four, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy.
0: Hmm.
1: Mercy, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Mm -hmm. Rich in mercy, and then he says it, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. I mean, if that doesn't tell us in those five verses what God means by forgiveness and justice and mercy and grace, then I think we've missed it. So we deserve death. We were living as creatures of death. We deserve the wrath. He was rich in mercy. He allows us to live. That's what his forgiveness does. I allow you to live and not only live, but you get to live in Christ Jesus. Yeah. You get to be a new creation in Christ. You get a new do over.
0: It's why I think the passage from the life of David is so instructive. Um, Because if you look at that, and it's out of second Samuel chapter 12. Yeah. The prophet, you know, David says, I sinned against the Lord. The, the prophet comes back and, and says, the Lord has taken away your sin immediately. You shall not die. So it. it fits with what you were just <laughs> saying, like uh, yes. I've sinned against the Lord, the Lord has taken away your sin, you shall not die. However, <laughs> and that next word is, is, is so heavy because however, the child is going to die. And I, I heard someone share on this once, it was such a, such a great insight. But they said David's sin, um, it did require a death. It required the death of an innocent son of David. And of course, in the immediate context, it's this, this child that was in Bathsheba's womb. But we know it, it's, a, it's a shadow story of a, a future innocent son of David that was going to pay the death that, that David deserved in that moment, and that's Jesus. Um, so in, in the same way, th- the law of the harvest gets played out, <laughs> whether it's us paying it or the the son of God, Jesus paying that penalty so that we can live and have the opportunity to, to turn back to God and enjoy this life that he's offering us. And even yet there were consequences for David beyond the, the death of this innocent son. Um, you know, that event, that, that sin with Bathsheba, was really a turning point in the history of his family and and you see mm-hmm. over and over in the years to come uh the fallout of of that sin. So this idea of our free will being so such a gift but also so important that we choose to use it to submit to God to submit, to submit to Jesus that uh yes forgiveness is available to us but It doesn't come without a cost, and it's it's something that we need to be very thoughtful about.
1: Yeah, and that's, again, the forgiveness allows us to live. It's not wiping out all the consequences, right? Right. So the consequence, which was death, that has been wiped out, but it's not all these other consequences. So that's, again, we can't. We have to live like we know the law of the harvest is true, so Mm -hmm. we don't live uh, presumptuously within it. And we have to understand what forgiveness is all about, so we are not presumptuous with that either, right? Because we are still free will creatures, and there's still an accountability. That's why the Bible still says to those who believe that you're going to stand before me, and you're going to give an account for the stewardship of this salvation. You're going to get a that's what is it? Hebrews chapter 10. If they stood before a mountain Hmm. and they had this level of accountability, seriously, what's it going to be like for those of us who've encountered the blood of Christ? So we're not living our lives. Forgiveness doesn't wipe out. That's the thing, too. Forgiveness doesn't wipe out the law of the harvest. Right. Right. It's it's a it's a it's a parallel truth. Mm -hmm. And we've got to learn how to live within those two realities, that God's forgiveness allows me to live, but I am reaping what I sow, Mm -hmm. right? So though there are some things that God has dealt with, he is not removing my accountability as a free will creature. So then again, that makes the submission authority paradigm kind of important you know, put, bring myself of my own free will respond accordingly. And this then, and you're going to respond according to your hope. So if you hope to hear well done, if you hope to walk with God now and forever, it should, it should, it should inform your decisions that you're making here. If you don't care about those things, if that's not your hope, well then seriously the fact that you don't care is going to inform your free will choices down here, you know? So as Christians, we need to stop being so presumptuous. We need Mm -hmm. to understand some of the laws that are in place within our Christian faith. Mm -hmm. We need to understand that we were created to, to within that authority submission paradigm that Jesus really is Lord and we really are not. Um, There was a guy that used to always wear this T-shirt at Fort Campbell. I loved it. And it had on it, there are two truths in the universe. There is a God, number one. Number two, you are not him. (laughs) So that's the reality. And we need to understand, too, that, you know, um, you know, just a kind of hearkening back to who Jesus is, because he is the one that we're pattering our lives after. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the one that our discipleship is emulating, you know, and then I can push it back even further. And all of those laws that are in place for men and women as Christians, these laws transfer over into our relationships to include marriage. So we right. it's not like God creates a whole new right. set of laws, right? Yeah. We just have a new context For living out those same laws. So every human being has been created under authority. So we're just all trying to figure this out together. So once we get some of this down, these transitions are a little bit easier. But I really like what you said. It really goes back to, okay, I've got, like we were talking about, we've got all of these things determining truth for us. And God is so outside of that box. I mean, the kingdom is, um, is it's a rebel force on the earth right now. Mm. it's not the norm, right so to be a part of it you're you're just not a part of the norm, and you've got to get through all of these layers of what's determining truth, you know and you've and it's an honest fight you've got to fight through that because something's determining truth and it's going to be God or it's going to be something else, mm-hmm. and that's going to impact your behavior so
0: Well, this has been a great conversation. Like you said, we we hit several themes, but I I would see it as all playing up to this call to to live worthy of the high calling that has come to us uh, in Christ. And that involves having a clear picture of who he is and his authority, responding the right way through submission and having respect for what's at stake. Um, like you said, not being presumptuous um, in our relationship with, with the Lord, um, but truly understanding what's at stake in terms of our, our own life and the consequences of disobedience, but also obedience, the the blessings yeah. and the promises that come to us as those who are following Jesus. Well, Susie, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I know this is going to be encouraging. Uh, Thanks for fighting through the the tech glitches that we had there. Um, But yeah, I really appreciate it and looking forward to the next time that we have a conversation like this.
1: Me too, Andrew. And again, God bless you for what you're doing out there. It's a good work and I'm just glad to be a little wee little part of it with you.